Acts chapter 20 is going to be our passage of Scripture this morning, so if you could open up your Bibles to Acts 20, we're going to begin there in just a moment. And uh, my friend uh, in the church, Jeff Ash, was talking about how Jesus is more exciting than the Super Bowl, and I couldn't agree more than that, and he kind of private message this and said that when a pastor makes a good point on Super Bowl Sunday, feel free to dump a bucket of Gatorade on him. So if anybody wants to do that, you feel free to do that. Acts chapter 20 is our passage this morning, and we're going to read from God's Word. Acts 20, beginning in verse 17, if you follow along with me. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. 
And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The title of the message this morning is Elders, Paying Careful Attention to All the Flock. Let's pray together. Oh, Almighty God, as we look here in this month of February at elders and deacons in the life of the local church, I just pray you would strengthen us as a church family, and we thank you so much for your word here in Acts 20. I pray that we would be inspired, Lord, by just your care for your people, Lord. And I pray also that we would just remember, even as we prepare our hearts to take communion at the end of the sermon today, Lord, that we are very dear to you, as you have obtained us your church, with your own blood. And I pray, God, that we would already begin to remember the blood that you shed, Jesus. For anybody who's here in this room who has not repented of their sins and trusted in you, Jesus, I I ask, Holy Spirit, would you please open the eyes of their heart that they might believe and be saved. And Lord, for all of us in this room who have believed in Christ, I pray that you would strengthen us and fortify us and strengthen and fortify us as a church through this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, just by way of just setting this message up and by way of background, a couple of weeks ago, I did a message on the extra local care that we receive as a result of being a part of our family of churches or our ecclesiastical union called Sovereign Grace Churches. And I explained from... 1 Corinthians 3, why extra local care, or care from outside of our own local church, care and accountability, uh, why that's so important and to flow according to the biblical pattern. Um, This series uh, was in the making back after John Reyes was ordained in the fall by Sovereign Grace Churches at our pastor's conference about four months ago. And we planned his ordination Sunday for January, and we thought it would be good to touch in on elders and deacons and our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches in this season when John was ordained. So what a wonderful Sunday it was last week to celebrate John's ordination. We want you to know that we're excited also to get back into our normal expositional flow of our series in the Gospel of Matthew entitled Follow Me, Um, and we'll get back into that in March. But we're going to look at the subject of elders and deacons in February so that we can understand together how the church should be structured with leadership. Our hope and prayer is that we would see more men raised up to serve as elders and deacons in the church for the glory of God. So please pray for us as we're seeking to do that. Um, These thoughts here are from Ben. He was talking about how uh, we're we're a 15-year-old church. I think this is a great illustration. Um, And it's important for us to make sure that we have a right biblical structure before We go forward because we're continuing to build deeper and higher into the Word of God and the the structure, a good sound structure of elders and deacons flowing together in church leadership and a healthy church government or polity is so important to uh, for every one of us as the saints to know. And I think in relation to that, you know, we need to look at God has been very good and faithful to us as a church um, over the last 15 years. But like a 15-year-old child, uh, there's, there's strengths that a 15-year-old child has, but there's also areas where a 15-year-old needs to grow stronger in order to uh, head into his or her future. And so in relation to our church, strengthening and fortifying our eldership and deacons, and for us as a church to understand those things, the reason we've been focusing in on our 
Book of Church Order, the BCO, or not the, the Church of Book Order. Or I actually thought this was good, CBO. That'd be kind of fun, huh? Uh, <laughs> is to understand how our church is governed a little bit more. Uh, ben, John, and I, we want to encourage you to look in at uh, BCO, the Book of Church Order, on our Sovereign Grace Church's website to understand how we're governed and run because I think then we can really throw our backs into the vision of the church when we understand the biblical vision for why we do things the way we do. Um, so the BCO section actually on elders and deacons is relatively brief, um, and it's right in the beginning. So I want to encourage you to read it and uh, bring us any questions you have. As John mentioned at the break, um, we have a, an insert in your announcements today. We're very interested in just hearing your thoughts as you're interacting with uh, our extra local church partnership and Sovereign Grace Churches, but also our local church government. We want to benefit church from the wisdom of the congregation. We're an elder-led church. But we are so grateful for, and we, we lean hard as an eldership into the wisdom of our congregation. We, we treasure the Holy Spirit's wisdom through you all and want to let you know that has been and continues to be a real value. Um, also, I just want to touch in on just the, the topic of approachability. We want you to feel comfortable sharing with us as your pastors any questions or burdens you ever have about our church. Um, though um, we are an elder-led church, like I said a moment ago, we, we cherish and lean into the wisdom of the congregation, but we can only benefit from that to the degree that uh, that you share your thoughts with us. So if there's ever anything that uh, you're wrestling through or something that doesn't quite feel satisfactory to you within our church government or anything, just dynamics within the life of the church that you're burdened about in the spirit, come and talk with us about those things. We always really appreciate uh, just the wisdom and benefit we can get from you there. We love you, church, and uh, we want you to feel comfortable sharing with us your burdens and your thoughts. We recognize that just as pastors, and we just feel like we're C.B. Ben and John, just fellow brothers in the church uh, we know we're pastors, but we realize that sometimes people can feel a sense of, oh, I don't know if I want to talk uh, to him or my pastor. It can feel a little intimidating. So we just want to kind of do everything we can to make sure you feel an open door constantly to come and share your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, John. And I know Ben feels the same exact way. Um, that's why we have an insert in your announcements this morning to help facilitate that a little bit. What questions do you have concerning elders and our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches? We plan after the message next week uh, to have a question and answer time with the three of us, and we'll compile a list of questions based off of what you contribute today or even throughout the week. You can feel free to send us an email, email or a text. So feel free to add your questions to the box in the back, and um, you don't need to write your name on it if you don't want to. But if you do, um, it will enable us to get back to you personally if we can't hit your specific question during the question and answer time after church uh, next Sunday. Um, and that'll, that'll, that'll actually be during the uh, church service. So this morning we will look more at our local church government, the elders, and where they come from and what they do. So it's important for us all to understand from God's word uh, how the local church is to be governed. And to understand, and this is a real conviction we have, church, I want you to know this, that our authority on everything and our leadership as pastors is a derived authority from the authority of God's word. Um, and we, we want everything that we do as a local church to be flowing out from the authority of the word of God and not from any man's ideas, preferences, or opinions. And so we 
will always be reforming our church according to the authority of the Word of God. So there's going to be areas in our church that are that are weak and we need to strengthen. I want to give us all faith just to to patiently engage in that process through the Word as we mature more and more into manhood from a 15-year-old to a 30-year-old or a 45-year-old. Man, there's, there's, there's strengths that come from someone who is gradually getting stronger and stronger, even in their skeleton and, and in their structure. And, and we're excited about how God's going to do that and how God's going to use you in our midst. But we are submitted to the authority of the Word and all these things. It's important for you to know that in our past, um, our family of churches did not have an established book of church order or a set governmental structure. Um, we've, we've always believed in extra-local care and elder-led congregations and sovereign grace churches, but exactly how that should be structured and how it should function and process for ordination of elders um, that rightly holds up the high and noble task of pastoral ministry, um, that the knowledge of the word that's needed for that in ordination, all of those things in terms of giving formal structure to that are really relatively recent in our history as a family of churches and and only recently have they become more standardized with the book of church order so it's important for us to engage that together as a church so that we again can have confidence in our leadership and confidence um, in how our church is structured going uh, forward whenever things first start out they first start out informal Um, and there's certainly a blessing to that in any relationship sovereign grace was built on values and uh, values and relationships that run very deep. And when times are really good, that works very well. But when things break down or difficulties arise, if you only have an informal way of relating and you don't have sort of a book of church order to guide you as to how you're going to conduct yourselves, then there's nothing really that can bind you together uh, to hold you fast, to guide you through troubled times or troubled waters. And that's one of the blessings I see really with uh, the Book of Church Order and what's been uh, coming about through Sovereign Grace and its leadership to us and our leadership within it. The informal to the formal kind of needs to happen in, in any good, strong relationship for it to mature and to grow and to develop. It's sort of like a relationship when you first fall in love. At first, it's informal, and there's something so wonderful about that time. But as the relationship continues and matures, there comes a time when it needs to have some formally established blessings added to it, like a marriage covenant and ceremony in order to solidify and strengthen the relationship. Vows are exchanged, husband to wife and wife to husband, to to make the, the wonderful love that the two even first shared be solidified and mature and deepen and strengthen through the bond of the formal relationship of the covenant of marriage. It doesn't in any way change the values and the wonder of all that it once was. It only enhances the values and deepens the bonds of love and increases the wonder and the blessing of the union. And in some respects, that's what we've seen over the last season within the polity or the church government of our family of churches and even in our local church as it's developing more and more and maturing. The values, the the love and focus upon Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the grave, uh, the gospel of grace, 
the, the commitment to sound doctrine, the commitment to elder-led churches, it's all remained. But the structure to stabilize and strengthen these values has been more solidified. And for that, Ben, John, and I really give thanks. And you can build deep and high with sound structure. As I shared a number of weeks ago, when you build a skyscraper, you need to take and dig down very deep and put structure in on the foundation and steel structure high so that you can build high. And I believe God's going to do wonderful things through us in Christ together as a local church. But it's important for us to recognize the importance of Sundays like this where we talk about leaders and elders so that we can see that structure solidified together as a congregation so we can go forward in greater and greater power and fruitfulness. I mentioned um, earlier the, the Book of Church Order, and it articulates a structure that we believe and hope will protect our church through the years from doctrinal drift away from the gospel and from moral drift away from walking in a manner worthy of the gospel as leaders and also as a congregation. So thankful for the adjudication processes that are outlined in there that actually gives protection to leaders and gives fair hearings to leaders and also gives fair hearings to any members in the congregation, whoever were to feel unjustly treated by their pastors. It's a real safeguard for you to understand that as well, that there's structures built into the book of church order that really protect all of us and, and really are a blessing to make sure that everybody's treated well and fairly and with love. And again, you think, oh, why would that even be needed? Well, it's not really needed. When times are good, you don't recognize the need for healthy process. It's when things get difficult that things need to kind of be spelled out in a more governmental established structure because tensions emotionally can run high when things are really difficult. And it's good to have a prescribed way of conducting ourselves so that we can really glorify God and stave off even times of crisis. I think one of the things that happened over the last five years within Sovereign Grace when our union of churches went through a time of great difficulty and trial was because we didn't have a formally established book of church order on how do you walk through crisis and trial when leaders are having challenges one to another and that sort of thing was relationships started breaking down and there was no way to really help them except through informal process and there was nothing that really bound the, uh, the brothers and sisters in our churches together in a, in a wonderful spirit-led way to keep things moving in a healthy direction. And so, and that's what led to some of the greater difficulties of that season. And so I'm excited. I, you know, I want you to know that, you know, we, we were thankful for the book of church order and for church government and those sorts of things. Um, one Christian called church polity the gospel's forgotten friend. It's, it's a friend. Good, healthy church government flowing out from God's word is, is a friend to the gospel. Our hope is, <laughs> has never been and is not in a book of church order. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. I want you to know that. But we are thankful for the good structure and for the... Uh, good boundaries that help churches stay healthy and help churches focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. So we're praying that a focus on elders and deacons during this month of February might strengthen us as a local church as well and help us here as Christ Community Church move more from sort of an informal understanding of these things to more of an established understanding 
for our strengthening. We want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit deployed through our church and, and, and that ever increasingly from the godly men in our church, but also from the godly women in our church for, for appropriate ministries to flow out from the use of the spiritual gifts of the men in our church with elders and deacons through the women in our church through various ministries. And we're excited about explaining some of that more to you as well. We want you all to have confidence and excitement about what we're seeking to build together. This is your church. This is our church together. And so we can all get behind it and really throw our backs into our future together. And that's one of the reasons why Paul came as he was heading to Jerusalem to visit the Ephesian elders, one last time, when was before he was to go to Jerusalem and suffer great persecution, he gathered off of the coast of Ephesus at a little island called Miletus and had the Ephesian elders meet him there. Paul was most likely docking there just as a transition, maybe changing ships. And he gathered together during the interim period to meet with the elders of the church. And that's one of the reasons why this Acts 20 passage is significant, because it's uh, the Apostle Paul giving instruction specifically to elders and what their responsibilities and their focus is to be on. I hope that this uh, this teaching time and, and, and flowing into that will help you be able to pray for us as your pastors in a more informed and concentrated way so that we can benefit from your prayers. But before we transition into the points, I just want to say, It's the same Christ-centered focus in our church as it was from the beginning. But a more mature structure. That's what we're seeking to see happen and build and flow. So I'm excited. I know Ben, John, and I are excited about this season and just the way it's going to lead, we believe, to greater fruitfulness in the midst of our church. So two questions I want to look at this morning on... Elders is number one, who makes elders? Who makes elders? And then secondly, we're going to look at just the question of what do elders do? Who makes elders and what do they do? So here in this passage of scripture, the apostle Paul first talks about the sufferings that he is going to encounter as an apostle. He's talking to the elders about the Holy Spirit testifying to him in every city, verse 23, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He says this beautiful expression in verse 24, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. That's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. I love it so much. And so, He's got an urgency to him here in verse 25. Look at this. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. There was a real urgency knowing he wasn't going to be face to face with these brothers again before he went to be with the Lord. And he's, he's carrying a real burden to tell the elders, the pastors there at the Ephesian church, which he helped plant and found what their responsibilities need to be. In verse 26, He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And here are his words. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It's a simple point, but it's a point that's really needs to be stated that who makes elders 
The Holy Spirit makes elders. The Holy Spirit makes elders. He makes overseers. And that's a passage and a, and a word there. That overseer word is, is synonymous with the, the task that an elder is to carry out. There's a leadership that's needed by elders and oversight and, a, and an authority that they have derived from the Word of God to care for the church of God. But it's the Holy Spirit who gives elders to the church. And that's important to know that it comes from the Holy Spirit and arises within a man's heart. This gift and this calling really to be a shepherd, to be a pastor, to be an elder. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, that elders, pastors, overseers um, are gifts from the risen and ascended Christ to the church. They're gifts from the risen and ascended Christ to the church. Um, And I've experienced that in my own Christian life through the many pastors that have impacted my Christian life. I wouldn't be standing here right now, and I think Ben and John would testify to the same as, as your pastors. We wouldn't be pastors for you without the godly pastors, shepherds that we have had through the years to help us care uh, for our souls. And so I'm so grateful for the, the blessing of the godly men in our past that have helped us, have discipled us, have equipped us, and have trained us. Uh, this is a thing that's been prophesied about in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 3. It's prophesied about that once the new covenant comes to pass, that God was going to give shepherds after his own heart who will feed the church with knowledge and understanding. I love that description there. This is, a, is it, it, the word of God bringing forth a, a fulfillment of the promise, the, the gift of, of a pastor-teacher, the gift of, uh, from the Holy Spirit of elders in the church to protect and be under shepherds, underneath the chief shepherd. And I want you to understand this really clearly because in uh, passage Warren preached last week in First Peter 5, it talks about the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And our focus and, and our submission is to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has given under shepherds who represent Christ's care, but it's important to recognize that, and I want you to know that Ben and John and I, we really look at ourselves as under shepherds, and, uh, and therefore we we use the authority that we have derived from the Word of God to care for your souls in the spirit of an under-shepherd. There's humility. There's submission to the Lordship of Christ. There is a fear and trembling in the use and exercise of our oversight and leadership that causes us to care for the flock and not lord over the flock. These kinds of things are admonishments from the Word that pastors are called to walk in the fear of the Lord in relation to. This term, overseers, elders, pastors, you see it all throughout Acts 20 here in this section. They're all speaking of the same office. All three of these words, overseer, elder, pastor, are speaking of the same office. And it's important to note this because we should not separate elder from pastor or pastor from elder. These two terms and this this calling is is synced. Pastors are elders, elders are pastors, and 
overseers and, and, and every different combination of that. Um, and it's important to note that and see these terms as really synonymous um, calls. Elders are to shepherd and care. They're also to give oversight. So they're called to lead and give vision. They're called to feed the flock. They're, there's multiple responsibilities and actions that an elder takes. But these terms are inter- interchangeable, even in Acts 20, but also in uh, the rest of the epistles. This is from our uh, Book of Church Order, a quote, and this will help you understand why this is important. It's critical that we see the equivalence of these three terms in the New Testament. An elder is a pastor, is an overseer. We can see the synonymous nature of the terms in Titus 1, 5 through 9, where Titus is told to appoint elders, and then he's instructed concerning potential candidates. The overseer must be. Further, in Acts 20, 28, the Ephesian elders are told how they must shepherd their flock as the flock of God that's among you, uh, specifically by exercising oversight. While verb forms are mixed with the noun elder here, the ideas of elder, shepherd, overseer are clearly coextensive. Thus, we ought to use all three terms to refer to the same office. Further, we need to let our understanding of the pastoral office include the connotation of all three terms. We cannot let one term swallow up the other two. It's so wise. Thus, the leadership and authority implied by overseer is to be joined to the protection, care, and nourishment implied by the use of pastor. And both of these are to be attached to the wisdom and mature discernment implied by the term elder. The Bible itself must guide our use of these different terms, not how they have become traditionally understood in certain denominations. And that's a really important point to understand. It's important that we recognize these terms as interchangeable. So even as we are praying about is might God be calling me? And when I pray for the men in our church to pray for this, might the Holy Spirit be calling me someday to be an elder? For that calling, we want to be thinking about this gentleman in relation to an elder is an overseer who's called to lead and have an authority to uh, protect the church. He's also called to pastor and to care for the church of God tenderly and lovingly and and to exercise oversight in the spirit of our crucified and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to just explain a couple just points to you in relation to the raising up of elders in our church. Um, those who desire to be elders in our church do not need to necessarily go to the Sovereign Grace Church's pastor's college first before doing so. Um, that's an important point uh, to note. Um, for those who are called to church planting. We believe it's very wise. That's why we sent Mario to the pastor's college so he could be equipped at the pastor's college. But we believe that elders can get trained and equipped here locally in Christ Community Church. And we're doing that. Actually, right now, we're taking a group of guys through the ordination exam required reading for Sovereign Grace Churches in the hopes that some of our men might rise to it if they are called by the Holy Spirit. And again, that's if the Holy Spirit calls them to this. Um, the standards for ordination to eldership require much study, but they are achievable. It's, it's a good thing. Listen, this is really important. It's a good thing for the men who will pastor in our church to have a deep understanding of God's word. To understand the call to, to teach the whole counsel of God as referenced here in Acts chapter 20. 
in order for us to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ soundly, not just for the next five years, but for the next 50, we're going to need men of the word who will hold on to the truth through troubled times when many are letting go of the authority of the word of God. And we see this ever increasingly in our culture. We need strong men of conviction, like Warren commended John for last week, who are going to, in the midst of the turbulent times of our culture, hold fast to the authority of the word and preach the word before the people of God so that the sheep are fed and built up and strengthened in Jesus Christ and not led astray. This is a very sobering charge. The souls of men and women are at stake, and so... We need to have men who, you hear this understanding a lot, kind of traditionally, when somebody's a pastor. When, when we describe a good pastor, we say, oh, he, he's, got a, he's got a pastor's heart. And uh, when we were equipped a couple weeks ago, it was actually me and Keith and Louis Cintron and Dan Crocker went to a seminar in Sovereign Grace in our region on elders and what they're called to. One of the things that Tim Shorey, our regional leader, who'll be doing our marriage seminar in a couple weeks, said to us is that, We need to elevate not just a pastor's heart, but also a pastor's mind. He's got a pastor's mind. We need the sharpest of men theologically, the sharpest of men in terms of theological vigilance, biblical knowledge, because part of our safeguarding of the church and shepherding the flock of God that's under our care is being able to discern truth from error and protect the church from false doctrine. This is something that's very, very important. And so I want you all to be excited about the, the high standards, but achievable standards of eldership, because one of the things I'm excited about most for this is I believe it's going to safeguard our, our hopes in Jesus for this, but it can help to safeguard the purity of the gospel preached from this pulpit at a time that John and Ben will no longer be alive. We pray that the young men and the older men that God raises up for eldership, even now in our church, but also into the next generation, that there will be a a pure gospel heralded to them, and also then that they will herald to a future generation that we will not see. And by having high ordination standards and by being a part of an ecclesiastical union of churches that has high ordination standards but achievable ordination standards, we believe that that will help to safeguard the purity of the gospel. And there's really nothing more important. We have got to hold on to the truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the dead. As Paul talks about here, he didn't stop testifying both in public and from house to house to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a passion. You know that Ben and John and I, as your pastors, have to make sure that repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is constantly preached. We are celebrating communion today. It reflects Jesus' heart to constantly do this in remembrance of me, to remember the broken body and the shed blood of our precious Savior, and to, to, to for the church to feast off of that and grow strong off of that. Churches are drifting away from Christ and Him crucified. Churches are in mass drifting away from the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we need godly men as elders and godly women as women of the Word in the life of the church to hold fast to sound doctrine so that we can be safeguarded. And so let us all strive for this and uh, let us all be thankful to God for the blessing that we have, and the men who are called to have a pastor's heart, but also a pastor's mind. 
uh, one of the things that I want to touch in on here is that plurality is really prized, a shared leadership. And though I'm the senior pastor of the church, our, our leadership, Ben, John, and I as elders, is a shared leadership. It's a, a leadership where we work hard to, 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 to wrangle through and get consensus through discussion and prayer together to make sure that our leadership before you isn't flowing from just one man. It's flowing out from the Word of God through a shared leadership. That's a real passion that we have, and we're excited about that. Pray for us as we, as we seek to do that. Ben, John, and I we were talking about it this past week. It's easy for a church to build off of a one-man show because a person just leads and and there's there's not the need to wrangle through theological issues and differences of opinion on a team. It's just everybody just kind of says yes, sir, to one man and and one man leads the church and it just it's not healthy compared to a shared leadership, a plurality. But to have a healthy plurality, you've got to have a lot of dispute and 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 ex- exchanges of opinions one to another as men and pray for John and I as we Ben John and I as we work through those kinds of things together pray for the Lord to protect the unity of our team as we are working to to provide a healthy leadership together to the church because it, it is so important for us to do so but it's often embattled because um, Satan doesn't like a healthy plurality of elders. So pray for us, the three of us, that God would just cause us to be a great blessing to you. Plurality is prized. And we want to have an even more robust plurality. I thank God that we got three elders. Our hope in the future, I want to see five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen, however many men God is calling, the Holy Spirit's calling. We want to see them raised up. We want to equip them. We want to train them. And we're aggressively going about doing that because elders are a gift to the church. And we don't want just a limited amount of men. We want there to be more men called of the Holy Spirit and pray for that in our church. But it's important to deploy as many men that God gives us for the task. And we want to see these brothers set loose to serve Christ and to teach the Word of God. But we don't want to lower ever the requirements of God's Word in order to reach the goal of simply getting more men into place as elders. We've got to all rise as men to the noble task of biblical eldership as the Bible defines it and make sure that we don't succumb to the pressure of just simply getting more men in there in order to fill the spot to say we got a lot of guys leading. We've got to get the right men that are called by the Holy Spirit into place. And so I ask for your discernment and your prayers, church, in relation to getting the right men into place, men who are called of the Holy Spirit like the elders of Ephesus were. So those are a few thoughts there. And again, any questions you have about that, feel free to write those down, and we'll engage in that also. I'm going to move to the second point now. Um, What do elders do? This is a list I'm going to compile largely from this passage, but there's so much more that I could say about elders than what I'm going to just say in this next uh, section. So just, just make note of that. Uh, one comment about just the, the spirit of elders and their leadership. Paul talks about how he served with humility and tears and with trials. Um, they served together alongside of one another as elders. Paul did what the elders of 
the Ephesian church with affection and much weeping. You see, even as Paul's being sent off to Jerusalem, the the the, the brothers are, are weeping and crying. There's there's love and affection and pray for that. Pray that 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 remains a, just a real strength of our church. That there's love and affection amongst our leadership, one to another, but also within our congregation, from congregation to their pastors, from pastors to their congregation. Got to recognize that Satan wants to attack that. He wants to get in between the, the affection of the pastoral team one to another and the, the pastors to the congregation, the congregation to the pastors. How many times have you seen, and you see this all the time where Satan does that, and maybe even some of you in your own church history as you've been a Christian throughout the years, you've seen the enemy go to work to try to pull pastors apart from their congregation and the congregation away from pastors. Let's fight hard together. I think we all have a responsibility to do that, to to, to really press into our affection for one another, our love for one another, as we even work through decisions with one another and how things should be happening. Um, one of the things Paul talks about is he accounted his own life as worth nothing to him. There's a selflessness that's really needed uh, for a man to serve as an elder. He needs to serve in a selfless way for the good of the church. And that's not ever done perfectly. I want you to know, Ben, John, and I as your pastors, we like Warren hit last week, we are saved sinners just like you, and we have struggles and challenges. We want to encourage you, please be patient with the three of us as you see weaknesses, and you will see weaknesses in Ben and John and myself and our team and our leadership and all those things. I mean, I'm actually working on growth areas I need to grow in leadership that Ben's been helping to bring to me, and the guys have just been helping me. I've been just grateful for the the blessing and insight even Tim Shorey and Andy Farmer have been having as we as an eldership and getting benefit and counsel from them on how I can even grow as a leader. And I'm just aware, you know, as as I'm processing all that, there's a reality that just there's a process of maturity and growth and strengthening that's always needed amongst all of us. And while that's happening, we need to all just look at one another and have patience with one another in just the sanctification process that we're all in. We're going to encounter weaknesses and sins in one another. We just have to have a stomach for that as a church, don't we? Even in people, brothers and sisters in our own care group and stuff, we need to make sure that we've got patience for our brothers and sisters who are slowly growing, just like we are slowly growing and being sanctified. And I think there's a temptation as time goes on for us to lose patience with one another. To start to become annoyed, to start to become disillusioned, to start to become suspicious or just like, ah, just to let the, the zeal that we once had for Christ and his church that was healthy to slowly have that start to seep out to where we slowly get drained. And before long over a season passes and we start to say, man, I'm not feeling as much passion for Christ and as much passion for our church and, 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 and what we're doing together as much as I once did. And you gotta, we all need to recognize that the enemy is at work seeking to try to get us to break down in our affection for one another. And that's one of the reasons I just love this passage in Acts 20 where may it always be Christ community that as we're serving Christ, we are collectively serving Christ with humility and tears, 
but also that we love each other so much that the thought of any one of us being away from one another, there's weeping and a, and a desire to just express love and affection. And let's pray to God to hold that strong for us uh, through the years as a local church. And I'm so thankful for Ben and John and their their help and their patience with me through the years. And, and I'm so thankful for the care and the, the love that they show me and their patience and their help. And uh, I'm becoming a better leader and a better uh, man in every respect, thanks to just the investment and the wisdom and counsel and advice that Ben and John give to me on a regular basis, but also that you give. And I just want to encourage you back to that approachability point. Keep it coming. Ben, John, and I are very aware we need to grow as elders, as shepherds, and we want to. And um, please help us benefit from the insights that you have and share those with us so that we can uh, grow. I'm excited about that heading into the future. But it's something we need to fight for, don't we? To not give up on one another, right? To, to continue to bear with one another in love, be patient with one another in love, give time for the Holy Spirit to work and sanctify in each other's life, give time for areas of weakness to grow stronger. It's something that's so vital for all of us to do. And um, so that we don't allow our passion and our zeal for Christ and for his church to slowly seep out, but rather be filled up and grow through the years. That's something I'm really excited about. So here we see a few tasks, and I want to just draw attention to that. I'm going to move a little bit more swiftly through these. Pay careful attention. Watch. Pay careful attention. You see this here um, in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Pray for Ben, John, and I that we pay careful attention to ourselves, but also to all the flock. The one translation says, keep watch. Shepherds are to called to keep watch over the sheep. And there's a, a reference again to the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 23, verse 4, God says about the shepherds that he's going to give to his people in the last days. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they, speaking of the people, will fear no more, nor be dismayed, and neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Pray that we would be faithful to care well. And here, referring again to the Book of Church Order, there's a brief quote I want to uh, read to you now. Elders are to, quote, pay careful attention and to, quote, be alert. This is not to give an elder a suspicious heart, but a watchful one. Not a cynical heart, but a cautious one. For example, the elder must know the difference between someone who disagrees with him and a divisive man who is actually a wolf. And the wolves are referenced here in Acts 20 as well. We need to know the difference between just mere difference of opinion that you can work through amongst brothers that are unified. And that's actually very healthy when there's even vigorous debate as to what we should do. But we're all for one another. We're working constructively together. Discerning that from a wolf who's motivated by self-interest and seeking, as the passage says, to pull disciples after himself. We need to be able to discern that. Pray for Ben, John, and I that we would have that discernment so that we can care well for the church. And we're called to pay careful attention, to be alert, to keep watch. Um, I, I'm very uh, moved by this illustration. I remember there was a movie called American Sniper not too long ago that was put out, and there was a concept in that movie of, of, uh, of being a sheepdog. Someone who keeps watch and looks out to protect, protect their family, protect their church family. Uh, may we all be in that spirit, but elders especially are called to 
be sheepdogs. They are to look out for the sheep and they're sheep themselves. Now it's important to note that Ben, John and I, we look at ourselves as sheep led by the chief shepherd, but we're also under shepherds who are called to really protect and guard the flock and sheepdogs. If a wolf comes in the midst of a flock of sheep, the sheepdog will risk its life to go and attack the wolf and protect the sheep. That's the spirit that Ben, John and I have. Uh, when we think of our care um, of, of, of you all, and we think of the many attacks that Satan tries to come at his people with, I want you to know that Ben, John, ben John and I are on watch for your good. And it is a sobering charge. It's one that we take very seriously in the fear of the Lord. Such dis- attention, attentiveness and discernment is part of that role. Um, keep watch is also referenced. Warren referenced it in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Uh, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. We're called to keep watch over your souls, brothers and sisters, as those who will have to give an account. Ben, John and I will need to give an account on the day of judgment for how we kept watch over the church and your souls because you are so dear to Christ. There's an accounting that takes place at the end and we, we carry that very heavy. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We are always being watched over and cared for by the chief shepherd, but we also are cared for by under shepherds. Being watched is a great blessing. And here I want to just accent briefly, brothers and sisters, the importance of church membership. When you sign up in your heart for church membership, go through the new members process and the interview, um, I want to let you know we're not doing that to to, to be uh, overly strong in terms of uh, any type of spirit of just knowing things too intently. We're we're doing that because it helps us as elders to know who are the sheep that God has entrusted to our care. And it helps you also to know as individual Christians, these are my pastors. These are the ones God's entrusted to me and my family to care for us as a family. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken the step of actually pursuing church membership, if you're in process with that and you're not sure yet that, hey, I don't know if this is the church for us, that's totally fine. Take all the time in the world to pray and seek the Lord for that. What we want to guard and protect from is for perpetual church attendance without actually entering into the formal arrangement of church membership to where we can say that is a church member and you can say this is my pastor. We care for long-time attenders who don't become members just as if they are members. And so I want to let you know your care wouldn't be different, but it does help us. And so please pray about that and even pray about becoming a member of our church if you haven't done that already. I want to also address spouses of uh, those who are church members who didn't actually yet become members themselves. Would you please uh, consider taking the step of faith of becoming a church member? It's a healthy step, we believe. Um, isolation, running, hiding... That's not a sign of spiritual health in any of us. And so it's something for us to to take note of. And it helps us to pay careful attention to do that. Our care group ministry, um, please participate in that as well. Our care group leaders really are an extension of our pastoral care into the life of the church. And our care group leaders, thank God for the, the men who serve as care group leaders in our church and their wives who do so much to facilitate fellowship in our church uh, brothers and sisters, thank you so much, those of you who are serving in that way. Um, they are helping us to care. They're helping us to keep watch. And we're doing that in a spirit of grace and excitement and love and fellowship with one another. Um, but but it's also, I, I need it in my life. I need 
the fellowship of the saints to help me to stay on uh, the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And so let us pursue that care. I can see already, Ben and John, I'm not going to get through this uh, fully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to uh, cut it short here in a few minutes, and and I'll get into it more next week as well. Maybe maybe this is a good place for me to uh, consider. Uh, maybe ushers, you can begin to go back and pre- prepare for communion because I don't think I'm gonna get through the bulk of the content. There's so much to cover today, and I'll, I'll cover it on the overflow. This is a good spot for us to to focus in on God's sheep are very precious to him. And he cares so much for his people. I want to draw your attention so you can see it in the word of God itself. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Christ expended his blood to save his people, his bride. And oh, how he loves us, church. Oh, how he cares for us. He cares for us. And he gives us under shepherds to help keep watch, to make sure that we don't just start out well in the Christian life, but that we finish well as well. And so, ushers, if you could come forward and begin to distribute the elements for communion. Church, let us reflect on the blood of Christ. Let us ponder the broken body of Christ. Let us thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his goodness to us. Let us prepare our hearts. And begin to say thank you to him. To remember all that he has done for you. To not just save you. By his grace. But to sustain you. By his grace as well. Elders. Are a gift. From God. Flowing out from God's sustaining grace. To his church. I want to, as we are gathering the elements for communion and uh, distributing those and beginning to pray, I've been pondering this just in relation to all this, this wonderful stuff that God's doing in the midst of us. A number of you have even written in, you know, just to encourage Ben, John, and I over this last stretch. I want to ask you to pray for us, church. You know, there's there's... Much spiritual attack, battle, pressure, and temptation that we all face as Christians. Satan hates a Christ-centered Christian. And Satan hates a Christ-centered church. We've all just got to make note of that. Let's enter into real intercessory prayer and cry out to God for protection, but also for advancement into our mission together to see the lost in Berks County and beyond saved through our testimony 
as I mentioned earlier, there are so many ways in which the evil one seeks to discourage and attack his precious He hates seeing his kingdom plundered here on earth. He hates seeing souls saved. And that's why with us as Christians who have the gospel, we are his biggest threat. And he's not going to just let us go. He's going to try to discourage our faith. He's going to try to suck our faith dry. He's going to try to rob us of our zeal and our passion for God. He's going to try to get our eyes off of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. And proclaiming both to Jew and Greek repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We must not let him do this. We must fight him. We must resist him. We must press in toward love to one another. Remembering Christ together. Binding ourselves together with deep unity. And we must continue... Strive with all of our might to love one another, to be patient with one another, to bear with one another in love, to bind ourselves fast to one another, and to continue to faithfully engage this fight of faith, not just as individual Christians, but also to engage the fight of faith together. I'm so excited to do this with you. At church, <laughs> there's no one that I would rather have by my side in this fight of faith or my family's side than you, Christ Community Church. You are so very dear to my wife Shannon and I and my kids, to John and Kim and their family, Ben and Kelly and their family. We are blessed under shepherds. Blessed elders, blessed overseers, blessed pastors. And we are so thankful to have the honor and the privilege of serving you as pastors. Pray for us. Pray for us in the midst. That principle in Scripture, Jesus says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Constant tactic from the evil one. We must engage in prayer. We must do all we can to pray for the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace amongst our pastors, amongst our local church congregation. Anytime there is a threat or a temptation toward relational breakdown, Christ community, let, let us work hard to work through our challenges, work through our problems and not run from them, but to get stronger, to grow into maturity as a local church. Because you know what? You think about this. It's been 15 years and we just sent out a church plant to Croatia by the mercy and grace of God. I can't help but think God's got more on the way. It's exciting to think of. (laughs) Satan's going to try to attack us. And we just got to reckon with that and just say, you know what? No, not in this house. You're not going to rip this apart. We're going to bind fast. We're We're not going to stop loving We're not going to ever give up on each other. We're going to fight for each other. And the only reason we can do that is because our Lord, our God, has fought for us. 
He sent his own precious son to obtain his church with his own blood. Church, we are here today because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his selfless sacrifice and devotion to us. He said, no, you're not going to go to hell. I'm going to save you. I'm going to go and suffer and die for your sins on the cross. I'm going to send my son to be your substitute. His body's going to be broken and not yours forever in hell. His blood's going to be shed to satisfy my wrath. And you're not going to need to go to hell to satisfy my wrath as you would have had to done forever had I not sent my son Jesus for you. No, I'm going to send him. His body's going to be broken. His blood's going to be shed. Remember. And do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So church, let us, as the worship band returns, let's pick up the bread and remember our Lord Jesus Christ. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember the broken body of our Lord Jesus, and let us trust in him with our whole heart. Let us partake of the bread. And then Jesus took a cup. He said, this is the blood of my covenant that's given for you, poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember the precious blood of Christ that has obtained us as his people. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for shedding your blood for us. We remember. We love you, Jesus. Tom's going to lead us into a song we haven't sung for quite a while, but I love this song. It talks about for your church, for the furtherance of your word. I offer up my life, all that I am. Lord, have your full way in me. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, and he's given us this earthly life here to live for his glory. Let us, as we sing, let us pledge in our hearts, Lord, And let us ask this prayer. Have your full way through me, Lord. Let us commit ourselves afresh to him as we close in worship. Let us stand. Love you, church.